y'all. Welcome to the More Than Words podcast. We're your hosts, Liz and Shara, also known as the aunties of inclusion, because we can't forget that. I'm wearing my shirt today. Oh, yeah. I'm wrap it. Okay. I see you. I see you, girl. Okay. Yes. I've been wearing it all over Houston today. All over. All over Houston. I've been driving from here to here, and I'm like, they're like, oh, I love that shirt. I know. It's my podcast. Thanks. Yes. And where's the free coffee? Don't just say hi. You like it. Give me something too. Cause I, I feel know. like it's I like, can't. Hey, I'll be like, you know what? I'm going to give coffee. you extra money. <laughs> no, no, we not. We not. So we don't have any more sponsorship money. Liz and KB. We have so many sponsorships. I know. I... <laughs> we can't, we gotta, we gotta get some more sponsors before we can sponsor some, any more events. Cause I feel like uh, we have signed up. We have signed uh, 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 up. Well, today's episode is going to be so Great. We have a guest today. Don't start and, it. Uh, Go get it going. Go, Go get but, it going. But we're going to start off with our auntie moment, right? So usually yes. our auntie moment, we talk about brave things. We about to talk about courageous things. Sometimes it's our stories. Something, sometimes it's other things that we're observing and experiencing. Um, sometimes a lot of it is audacious moments. A lot of my stories are about my tias and <laughs> my reflection back on my culture. Be like, oh, I do that. And other people do that too, but anyways it's all true though and we we need them reflections because we very similar though some differences we really do we really yeah. do like the watermelon with the songs like when you when yes. you're singing like lyric songs and yes. like, you don't know the words to the songs because right. we were singing right. a song earlier and i only know the chorus that's it and i don't even think i have the chorus right Right, right. And then I told you, I said, look, you said saying watermelon. And I was like, nah, you supposed to say banana and watermelon to see, look like you saying the words and you really don't know. Them. So it's just going to be a fruit salad then at that point. Of course it is. I don't care. I just want to look like I know because I don't know any song in its entirety except for happy birthday. And I'm dead serious about that. I don't know what happens. Wait, wait, wait. Which, which happy birthday, like the sad happy birthday song, the oh, Donald no. Duck happy birthday song or so, the Stevie Wonder birthday song? So first of all, I ain't know Doc, Donald Duck had entered the building on a um, happy birthday song, but I am going to say the traditional one, like one that I it really just cannot stand singing is the traditional one, like, you know, put the happy candle in the cake. Yes, it's so sad. You. It's dragging. It's dragging. But I definitely know that good old Stevie Wonder happy birthday. Okay, I know that song until they get to that second, third verse. And then I was like, I forgot that that And then happened. it's like... I was like, well, I guess we could just shake our shoulders here because this is all you're going to get because I don't know these words. But that doesn't matter because I know most of that. And by the time we... No one ever gets to that verse in real life. That's no, just for the radio. That the candle's already blown out. The picture's yeah. taken. Like, we we've ate. already stuck we the already face ate. in the cake. That's it. Oh, wait, wait. We don't do that, though. Hold on now. What are you oh, talking about? Oh, we do that. Mm-hmm. What you it's, mean? What's this violence we talk about here? It's not violent. It's not violent. You put the face in the cake? Yeah, all the time. Who eating the cake after y'all you put do, this face in there? What you do there? is like you sing uh, Sapo Verde to you. Sapo mm, Verde mm. to you. Which is mm, like, mm. which is a uh, green frog to you. Green frog to you and it's yeah. sapo verde to you so it's spanglish yes. and then yes. you're like yay and then everybody's like mordida mordida which is take a bite take a bite oh, I and then the that. person goes takes a bite and then like ha somebody just oh and then their whole yes. face yes has, and we think it's funny i think it's funny but too it's but so who eat, i'm not eating that cake though. i know it's so yes. unsanitary 
I was like, who you can have a smash cake, fine, but I ain't eating that cake. We're the cupcakes for the grown-ups for the non-faces. I want no faces on my cake. I really just don't want that on my ice cream. I it's want so no terrible faces. what COVID did to us, right? Because no, before like now, COVID, who were no, who? For, did you eat the cake COVID, after that? Yes. Like oh no. With the topping on the top too? Just face and bubbles all on the top. Okay, that's fine. No, no judgment. I'm not judging. It's fine because you, you know what? Your immune system is really high. Who's telling us? I haven't gotten Who's sick. Who's telling so us otherwise? Yeah, that. it works. I drink, See? I drink water we from found, the water hose. You know, I played in the right ditches there. in uh, yeah. Northside Houston. What? The Northside? Northside Houston. It's that's, not my side. You know. I just wanted to be supportive. No, you, I know. I, really I know. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm, just, I'm here for you, sis. I'm here. Thanks. Thank you for okay. that. Okay. Wait, Auntie Mommy, come oh, on. We, my, I've been waiting. I knew you so, You got some. You I got do some have something. So I'm leaving today to the UK. Going to go yeah. be with my family. I'm so happy. I'm excited. Which yes. is why I'm talking really, really, really fast. We talk fast normally in our podcast. So just like yes. lower it a little bit and the speed thing. Um, but I'm talking super, super fast. One, I'm excited about our guests. Like this is going to be amazing. And two, I'm excited that I get to go and be, because home for me is wherever my, my unit is at, wherever my husband and my two gremlins are at, that's where home is at for me. So anyways, I'm packing stuff up and you have to get, uh, you know, 23 kg is your limit on the bags. And I don't know what I'm taking. I am very much my tia, right? I'm taking, like when you go and pack on a trip, you always think, you don't need it now. It's not like that face cream that you bought, right? That you put in the refrigerator. You know, you're not actually using that. But when you go on a trip, you're like, I'm gonna use it. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna use it on my trip. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna find a refrigerator and I'm gonna put it in there. So that's what I'm doing, right? I had two big suitcases and I filled them up and I'm like, shoot, 25 kg. And the airline that I'm using is like very particular. They weigh mm-hmm. your carry-on case, right? So I'm like, shoot. I'm like, well, I'm just gonna have to get another suitcase. I'm like, and then I open it up. And I'm like, what am I doing? Do y'all remember uh, the candle and um, my, yes. baby Yoda, my baby Yoda piggy bank? Yes. Right They're coming. Why no. are they coming? Why, no. why are they coming? I don't know. I feel bad leaving baby Yoda behind. So put anyways, that so, candle I, down, girl. I can break that candle when I come. And what are we doing? So good. I don't know. I look, sure. Look, this is what's happening. I'm good. I'm not so judging I'm, you, sis. Bring it with you. All of I'm it. I'm packing all this stuff up, but I'm thinking, do I really need all of this stuff? And then um, I took some time to go and spend uh, a few. I have two really close friends, and and uh, we've been we've been through a lot. Both both of these two friends. One of them had a quick cup of coffee with great time, whatever. The second one was it, it, it evolved into kind of a coaching session. And as I was thinking about like all the stuff I was packing in my bag and then thinking as I was driving to go get coffee, um, I was like, do I really need all of that stuff? And then I started thinking about when I was talking to my friend, I was like, how much stuff are we packing in our emotional baggage and carrying things that we shouldn't and don't need in our lives that are no longer serving us? Because all this stuff that this person was carrying was just like all this like baggage and some of it was hers, some of it wasn't, you know? And it's like, at the end of the day, my goal, what is my goal right now for me going on my trip? My goal right now is to be with my unit, to be home. Baby Yoda is not going to make that 
worse or better, right? Mm. It's not. So what are the things that are preventing us from feeling ultimate joy and preventing us from feeling that we are worthy of joy? And I, I always talk about joy, but I feel it's so important important and it's something that we're not paying attention and also I feel like it's really part of a lot of what we don't really think about is you know why we feel we are not worthy of joy but yet when I'm talking to you my hermana Shara and I'm like Shara like it makes me sad that you're not feeling joy today or that you know you're Mm -hmm. having all these disempowering beliefs or Mm -hmm. you know all this stuff right and it's just like so that was my Thea moment today. One, like we overpack way too much. And then also two, <laughs> I, got that. One. I, I got that face cream. Yeah. You know, put use, that face cream in there. I'm going to use those, those little that. eye don't things and that, that face. Don't leave that because you going overseas. You don't know what, you know, them chemicals different. You got to, you'll be another journey trying to figure out what work and what don't work. But you know what? I mean, I, on the side, I appreciate you having this moment because you know what? Black Girl Joy, we were talking about in our last episode. If you did not know why we said that, go listen to that episode. Uh, But I would say, you know what? You're absolutely right. We, you know why? This is my hypothesis around this this joy, intentionality, right? This intentionality around joy is because we went through something. Last couple of years, we went through something. And when people were sitting at home, they was like, see, when I get out of this thing here, or when I move out of this in a different way, I am going to be doing these lists of things. And joy has come up quite high on people's list because they have had an absence of that or or be more visible and acknowledging that they have. So yes, joy is going to come up. And if you're not hearing that word joy more frequently, be the one to bring it up. Second of all, I'm just so happy for you. I just can't wait for you to get on. Like this is it. Like we is in the moment right here. This is like the, this is like when you put on like you know, in the beginning of the movie, and then all of a sudden, you like something about to happen. You got your right? big, large popcorn. Yeah. You got your. Uh, yeah. My friend does raisin it. That's weird. Not me. I don't know. Let's not talk yeah. about them. No. Yeah. So that's the auntie moment for this week. Anyways, think about your joy. Yes. So, all right, Sharon. So, do Do we want to introduce? Yes. Oh, let me start because you know we can go, I, we all got stories. Well, I'm gonna go stories. real. I'm gonna, yeah, mm-hmm. we're gonna go quick. Okay, so y'all, we have a guest today. Um, so you gotta pull up your seat. When I tell you pull up your seat, pull up your seat, pull up your seat. I had to repeat it so if you ain't get it the first two times, pull up your seat because this person right here. First of all, Liz and I know this person, so you are gonna get the two part introduction. Okay, so you just that's special. So. This individual I met in one of the hardest classes that I've ever been in, just candidly. So a couple of things. I know CDI is love, right? Coach Diversity Institute is a great, amazing, challenging class. But this class in which I met this individual in was the first time that I had been in a, in a situation where I was like, I don't know if I belong here. But guess what? In that class, I met some amazing people. And this person is one of the instructors. And I'm telling you right now, to this day, this individual is the person I would like to mimic. Okay. So if you all know about third level listening, go look it up. This person right here is the original Dandada, okay, that I've ever met. Okay. <laughs> so you can do third eye listening. Like laughing. This. I can hear him laughing right it's, now. It's, I, it's fine because let me just tell you when you a coach, you are, you taught to active listen and be neutral. So you think you know what you're doing until you meet a master at it. 
Because I'm going to tell you right now, this person right here was going, is, if you ever get in his presence, then you need to spend some time with him just observing and just watching him work. Because when I thought I had the best cat eye out here, I don't have the best cat eye compared to his cat eye, but my cat eye is good. You know what I mean? So anyway, I, when I met this individual, when I say I found a sense of belonging connection immediately by watching someone very skilled in this practice of facilitation and coaching, this was the example that I said, I need to mimic that. And so this individual really had an impact. And not only that, after that, he took time intentionally to lean and pour into me when he saw that one, I needed that. And two, after it, offering that extra stuff to say, if you ever need some support, you have this number, this door is here. And Keep in mind, this is a three-day class. Like, what we really talk about, you don't know, be, but that is how in the, how important that skill set has been for him to seek out people like myself and others. And Liz, I know you got this risk because y'all been on on. Like, y'all, not only did you follow up, but you follow up, follow up, follow up. Like, y'all got a whole nother relationship. Yeah, so our guest, his name is Tony Farmer. Um, he's a, woohoo, he's a master coach. Um, aside from those are his identities, that's his credentials and all that, but really who he is to me and for many people that are listening to our podcast that know Tony, they'll realize that he's a coach, he's a mentor, he's an ally, he's a sponsor. He is that person when we talk about reaching back. And I don't know how he does it. That's one of my questions for today, because put it down. How does he reach back so much? Like, (laughs) you know, I randomly text and email and stuff. He is not. (laughs) He gets it all the time. Anytime I I I reach a goal that I've set out to reach and um, and he he sits there quietly. You know, he he's an observer. He has that, you know, third listening. He's an observer. It's not like he's out there like, how are you doing? you know, keeping me like messaging me or texting me or anything like that. He's not there. Like, how are we doing on our goals? He's just waiting. He's gotten so much into my head and my heart that Mm. whenever I am struggling with something, I go to him. Whenever I've achieved something, I go to him. And he equally pushes me and challenges me as well as celebrates me. And I'll be honest with you, like when I first met Tony, I was very, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't sure we were in this class. And I mean, he has a, he has a great vibe, like a very approachable person. Um, I knew there was something special about him in that class. Uh, but he was also very tough. You know, he kept you accountable. Mm-hmm. He pushed you. He wanted to see what were the triggers? What were the things that made you who you are? Right. And he pushed me a lot. And so then when the class was over, he offered up, he said, Hey, like if anybody wants some coaching sessions, you know, here's my email, hit me up. Like I I will coach you. And there were two instructors at the time, um, in this class and something told me, reach out to Tony, like go, go reach out to Tony. The other side of me is like, uh, I don't, I don't know. Like I'm intimidated. <laughs> like my own self this is my own. Re- I had nothing to do with him. It's not like he, he brought out, like, he, it's not like he uh, purposely was like intimidating me. I mean, I was intimidated. And the reason why now that I've gone through what I've gone through is that intimidation was fully myself because I knew how hard 
this was going to be. Mm -hmm. um, I knew how much work I had to do to get to the place where I'm at. And a lot of this, this podcast, a lot of my coaching style, a lot of my approach to my, with my clients um, is because of him. Like he put that foundation. So I want to bring him on. Tony, you can turn yes. on your camera now. Tony, come on out. Yes. We don't have no problem. I was hoping the camera still worked, you know? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, y'all got me waiting here. I know, I Tony. Hope, we go on tangents. Waiting. We go on tangents. So welcome, Tony. How are you? I am. I'm doing fantastic. And I'm I'm, I'm happy to be here with you all today. Uh, I started getting emotional. You guys were, you know, kind of giving some background on, you know, how we connected and how we all met. And, and uh, certainly the both of you mean the world to me. Uh, this is not a one way affection right um so I, i'm just excited to be here uh you know we are uh, uh connected on a, a number of different levels but we also like to laugh <laughs> we also like <laughs> yes to have we fun. do we also and like have to fun and party so, uh, I'm, I'm i've been looking forward to this for a while um and i'm i'm just uh happy for the invite and uh, uh happy to be with you guys today well, Tony, listen, we we was telling the truth, okay? Listen, if you was feeling the feels, then imagine how we feel on the other end, because I'm going to tell you right now, you bring, every time you come, you come correct. So we always got to level up. I, we was just talking about leveling up with another CDI um, professional. Um, and I'm going to tell you right now, I said, well, you guys, when you come in the room, I'll be like, let me do better. Like, that's just my first <laughs> sentence. That's my first sentence and to not, myself. And that's and not I'm, a bad thing. Like, I was just telling somebody, I'm like, if you're not surrounded with people who level you up and support you and celebrate you, then you got to find a new community. Um, True. Done. Okay, so Tony, Tony, before yes. we get going, because you know we can talk, we can get in here. We'll be here all day if they let us. Okay, so Tony, you know the diversity will is what we sent you. It was really important to us. Like, we really believe in focusing on what are some of those similarities and differences so people can really connect more quickly and, and really find themselves in these stories from um, what we're sharing with them and who you are, frankly speaking, because we know you and we want other people to know you. But looking at the diversity, Will, what are the top three dimensions that really resonate with you and, and you use um, or embody every day? Top three. Um, I think uh, just uh, treating people uh, I was talking to somebody. I, I, I find the weirdest quotes from the weirdest locations and the weirdest places. I, I had a quote that I memorized from uh, John Wick. No, no, you think John Wick? John Wick is you know very violent movie, you know, and it's 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 kind of like the the guy movie where everybody's shooting and <laughs> and and flipping and there's martial arts and the whole thing. Um, but in the second uh, version of John Wick, there was this line that, that, that kept coming up. Uh, and the line was, uh, I have served and I will be of service. So the first thing that always comes to mind to me is, am I being of service? I'm created to serve. I know that that is my purpose in life. Am I being of service in my engagement, in my, in my communication, in my connection with with people and and am i engaging in a way that is most profitable for them for their growth for their maturity uh for them to reach their their goals so the first thing uh i always think about is service the second thing it's funny we talk about it 
It's one of those overused words, uh, inclusion. I, I believe that if you walk into a room, any room, and you see all male or all female or all, you know, one race or all another race, if you walk in and you don't see anybody in there with any uh, disabilities, cognitive or otherwise, somebody should ask the question, where, where, where is, where is everybody else? Somebody should ask that question. And I was watching a documentary on Billie Jean King, uh, who's well known uh, in her community for fighting for women's rights. And that's one of the things she said that she focused on during the course of her career, like, where's everybody else? I can't be the only female athlete. I can't be the only one who has this competitive drive. I can't be the only one who wants to do and accomplish the things that I want to do. Where's everybody else? And why aren't they here? So uh, the, the third thing I think that I focus on most of all is the idea of belonging. Do I belong where I am? In, in coaching, we have this fancy word we use called imposter syndrome, right? Uh, I won't go into explaining imposter syndrome, but the, the basic tenet of imposter syndrome is always doubting that you're good enough to be where you are, always doubting that you deserve uh, to be in a place or to be doing a thing, uh, whether other people think you, you deserve to be there or not. So this idea that wherever I am, that's where I'm supposed to be. And I'm there for a reason. And I'm there to help others feel the same. I'm there to create an environment where everybody can come into the environment, being them, their true selves. You guys have me cracking up uh, because I watched as you, kind of toggled between, you know, your personalities and your interests and your love for one another. And if we can create an environment where everybody feels that way, uh, wow, what a community we would have. I mean, Tony, seriously, thank you for that amazing, like, answer to question, our first question. Like, we're done. <laughs> we, I feel like we do this so much in all of our guests. Like they get to the first question and it's like, nope, we're done. We can end record here, impacted. Like, and that's why we, yeah, we, we built this whole. Thank you. Next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. We'll start singing on it. They missed the whole movement. We're I, know, I, came, here. I came ready for my song of the day. I just want to let you know. Oh, I know. We, did, we were scared to ask. We were scared to ask. I'm going to tell you that right now. P.S. I have to run it back. John Wick is for all because I love me some John Wick. Me I just too. Know I love John the, Wick. I don't want no gender norms coming through here, but I just want to let y'all know. I get down with the John Wick, okay? And sometimes I be trying to do the moves, though. I ain't going to tell y'all those moves, though, because <laughs> my, don't get in my business. I was giving y'all a little business, but not a lot. But, you know what? My favorite. Some, you know what? My favorite songs is Kung Fu Fighting, right? So I do the John Wick smooth with the Kung Fu. I like I mix the two. Nobody. Yeah. No, don't y'all start it. Mm -mm. Yes. This is how we end all. See, this is why this is why we can't keep that's why. Okay, I'm done. I'm not gonna start nothing. I was about to say so, something, Tony, but then Liz gonna get on me. I know, right? So Tony, like one of the things, like, yes, we want to create this community, and that's why we want to bring guests in to tell their stories in here. The power story is so important for us. That inclusion, that equity, that belonging. I know in not all spaces, you felt that, right? So in, in looking at your dimensions that are important to you at this moment, you know, what are the stereotypes that you faced either personally or workplace and how has that impacted you? 
That's that's a, wow. That's a great question. Um, I can answer that question from a number of different dimensions. I'll start here. I had a lot of people in my own family who doubted the person that I am and doubted the person that I could be. There were people who in my own family didn't show up, uh, did, you know, weren't supportive. You know, I'd say I'd wanted, uh, you know, I said, uh, stated one of my goals to one of my family members and they literally started laughing at me, you know, and I thought, well, I didn't make a joke. This is something that I truly want to pursue and truly want to devote my attentions to. So what it created was a very deeply competitive person, right? Somebody who I want to know what the rules are because I want to know which ones can be broken and which ones can be bent. I want to know which ones can be replaced. I want to understand, you guys were talking about uh, the uh, level three listening. Uh, I want to understand by just hearing everybody else's perspective. I want to understand how people interact with one another. And I want to understand all of that before I say a word, before I begin to engage, because it gives me a landscape and it gives me, it helps me map how I want to navigate through whatever situation. But to answer your question a bit more directly, yes, I've been in spaces where I think people have underestimated me. I love that. You know, I've been in spaces where people have doubted my love of intelligence. I love that. I've been in spaces where People have compared me to, to somebody else who may have come before me that looked like me, uh, that they thought, well, you know, this guy will be here for, you know, a splash and then they'll be out because you know how they are. Right. I love that because it it triggers the competitor in me. I am the ultimate. Oh, you think I can't do it? Oh, got you. Right. We'll, we'll see at the end of the day. And I dare you to bet against me. Go ahead. I dare you to bet against me. And so that's that's just uh, an attitude that I've carried, you know, since I can remember. Uh, when you go through enough trauma, when you go through enough strife, just in trying to survive, right, your upbringing, uh, when you break through that, you know, anything else, you know, all comers, you know, like, you know, <laughs> you know let's see what you got. Yeah. You know, if yeah. that didn't destroy me, then... It's hard for me to imagine uh, that anybody else would bring something to on the floor that would would shake me uh, in a negative way. So first of all, you know what? You got me hyped. I didn't know we was about to go play football. What? I was like, where we going? Who wants some? I was getting amped on this. I mean, come on. You answered this question. I was like, what are we about to do? Well, I did. I did, play, I did play basketball competitively um, oh. uh, for, for a long while. And wow. uh, I actually coached basketball. For a number of years, and also coach. So I'm, so I, I am coach. You know, if you you are remember the Titans. He is. You remember the Titans. You remember the Titans. I know what I was feeling. Sure. I was like, I know I need to be doing some. I felt yeah. I'm that. telling you, sure. This was our sessions. Uh, every time I called Tony, this is what it was like. Exactly, Ooh. it was like he Hot. took in, and and it was interesting. Like I'm not a. Tony, I'm not a sports person, but all like you would bring that in. And really what you brought in into our sessions was that empathy and that compassion and the never giving up on me and also never allowing me to give up on myself, always challenging my thought processes and my my disempowering beliefs and 
you know now what you've created. Uh, so. It was always there. It was always there. I didn't, it's none of my creation. It was always there. And the, no, it's true. The, you uncovered a, a lot of a yeah. lot of things. But no, I mean, yes, absolutely. I think everybody has that power within them. They just it's a matter of how they shift it. Right. So absolutely. Absolutely. But I think I think that goes to a good a good point, though. Like, I think, you know, something you said, the fact that you've had this impact on not just us, but so many others. But I am curious to understand, like, with all of this that you have overcome and are going through, uh, what is the legacy or the impact that you are looking to have in the world? Uh, that's that's wow. That's a uh, that's a good question. Uh, thank you for asking. My primary focus, I tell people who are close to me that uh, when they ask me, Tony, what are you doing? What, what, what are you working on? You know, where are you working? What are you working on? What are you doing? I always respond the same way. I tell them that I'm, I'm building an empire. Uh, and what that means for me is I want to um, leave something that not just my children are going to benefit from, but my children's children. Uh, I want to build a generational um, structure, foundation that will that will grow and, and feed itself over time. Call that generation of wealth, call that generation of knowledge and experience and or, or talent, call it what you will. But I want that my the next two generations understood, understand some of the things that I've tried to do in this life some of the thing, people that I've served in this life. And the way that will manifest, at least the way I see it in my, in my head, um, I coached two young ladies named uh, Shara and Liz, and those two going to be media moguls. Those two going to be mega coaches. You see what he does? You see and what so, he does? Speak so, it. I'm just waiting for it to come. Come on now, break it on. that process, when, when you all are in, in, a, in about... Four hours, five hours, uh, Liz will literally be international. She will be an international coach in the most literal sense of the word, right? So I want that in future times, when my children are, are looking to uh, gain an advantage from a coaching perspective, they can use coaching, they can use maybe a, a lift, maybe some motivation that somebody go, oh, you're Tony Farmer's kid, right? You're Tony Farmer's daughter. You're, you're Tony Farmer's granddaughter or grandson. I got you, right? That's what it means to me to create a community of practice, uh, which is another word I think uh, is, is overused, this idea of community of practice. Community of practice to me is not just a group of people who have similar interests. It is people who are willing to invest in one another to create a community so that we can impact the world. I know that sounds a little hokey. It sounds a little. It sure don't, because you know, that's what we're doing right here. That's not. That, no, that's, that's not. Yeah, that's where that's, I live. We living in it right that, now. This yeah, I mean that. That is one of our values, and exactly uh-huh. that. It's like every single person has a special skill. Mm-hmm. They bring something different to this community. We're not all going to be the same. We're all connected to a similar purpose. But we have different skills and we have differences and we every single person has the capability and the power of using those skills. And that's what creates an effective community. So, yes, yes, I don't want to be in a community full of of Liz's that that's loud. Yeah, 
no, no. We don't need that. We don't need that. In a, we don't need that in a positive way, though. We don't need that in a positive way because what happens is, you know, corporations spend a lot of time making all of us similar, right? You, you know, aligning us all similarly. But this is where we're gonna spend the time and the difference because that's what's next. That's what's here and now for the future. But Tony, come on, Liz done brought up something good now. Skill set. You have one of the strongest skill sets that I've ever seen making you, of course, a master coach, but your third level listening, do you mind just giving us a little tea for real, okay, on how do you and how have you been able to horn your skill set around coaching and specifically around your third level listening? And for those who don't know what third level is, so you may want to share that with them. Yeah, yeah. So so third level listening in its essence is the ability to disconnect from whatever thoughts, whatever processes that you would be in normally. 90% of people, when they are having a conversation, are listening to respond, right? So so. The third level of listening really is you have been able to shelve, pause your own thoughts about whatever is going on in the world, whatever is going on in your life, and you are zero focused on the information that's coming into you from an individual. Uh, and and if you were to you know since you asked the question you know how did I develop that I'll, I'll give you uh, two things. Um, the the first thing is uh, I've always been an unusually curious person, unusually curious. Uh, in fact, when I was uh, really young, I used to read, read the dictionary because I just wanted to know what words meant. Somebody said a word. I read a word, this is a true story. I, I, I love comic books. I used to be a comic book collector and I was reading one of the comic books and the comic books used the word facade, F-A-C-A-D-E. And I thought, what does that mean? And I literally spent like the next two hours in the dictionary. I hit facade, got that, and then got off on a, about 10 other words. And I spent two hours, you know, just trying to understand the structure of words and why people use them in a certain tense. So I've always been unusually curious. Uh, if I if I find an interest, no matter what it is, I will literally dig into it as if I was putting together a white paper or research paper on it. So that's number one. The other thing is, um, when I was young, my grandfather was, uh, because I was an only child and, uh, you know, didn't have a lot of friends, I hung out with my, my grandparents quite a bit. And my grandfather actually set the foundation for my level three listening because, you know, as you can imagine, 10, 11 year old kid, you know, the problems that you have at that age, right? And so I would go to my grandfather and say, hey, granddad, you know, I, I got this issue, this thing I want to talk to you about. And my grandfather would turn the TV off, he'd turn the radio off, and he would sit in his chair and he would just look at me. He wouldn't say a word. And when he first started doing it, he used to freak me out. I'd be like, hey, granddad, you still with me? Because <laughs> he, he would be so still. And after I shared whatever was troubling me, he could recite every word that I had uttered. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. And so I just, it's a practice that I crafted from my granddad from, from a young age. But uh, again, you know, when you start to grow mature and, and find yourself in corporate spaces or, you know, uh, executive spaces, the, the ability to just listen, to listen without judgment. Uh, to listen without um, 
casting your own beliefs on other people, to listen uh, just to understand how how somebody is feeling. And that's the other thing about level three listening. You're not just listening to the words, you're listening to the tone, you're listening to the body language, you're listening to the emphasis, you're listening for energy, thing when the energy goes high and then when it drops low. You, you, you're listening for all of those things and that helps you give some, that helps gives you some context about who you're engaging with and what they need. To serve, I will serve and be of service. Oh. One thing, Tony, that I have a question on with, you know, that's something that you learned by experiencing that with your grand, with your grandfather. And I think most of us, or I don't want to assume, but if we think about it, a lot of our things that we have are from, you know, our grandparents and our, and our, our family members that we carry and, and caring for others and, and being empathetic and compassionate for others is something I feel for most people, right? It is, I feel like it is innate. It's in there somewhere. But when you get into corporate settings and you have all these kind of expectations from your boss and these like deliverables that you're having to be and as a person of color, you're having to shape shift a lot and be a chameleon in different spaces because that's just that's just how we feel like we have to do. And sometimes we tend to lose ourselves. Oftentimes we tend to lose ourselves. I'm speaking in my own experience as well. How do you. And how, and from your experience, like one, did you ever experience losing yourself in that sense and working for corporate America? And second, like, and if you didn't lose yourself, how did you maintain this person that you are today? Well, I would say that, again, because of the the nature of my curiosity, uh, aside from coach, I'm also a student. And so when I've gone into corporate spaces and uh, and I've encountered different cult- different cultures, uh, people from um, different environments that I grew up in, uh, I'm usually just cur- I'm usually just studying. I'm I'm in study mode. I'm trying to learn whatever task that I've been given, so I can be superlative and excellent at that. But I'm also just studying. Right. Just studying, you know, how do people engage me? I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. <laughs> it's not funny. So <laughs> it is funny. I, uh, I used to. <laughs> You're not making me laugh. I used don't to work say it's not, yeah, you didn't, don't say it's not funny <laughs> and then laugh. Say that and then stop laughing. I'm laughing too. I'm like, come on. What is so it? I, I know I, it's good. I used to work with this. Uh, I used to work at a company. And, um, you know, I, you know, again, it's corporate and, you know, everybody's hustling and, you know, you're passing each other in the hallway and, you know, people that, you know, uh, you may not be able to spend a whole lot of time with, but, you know, you kind of give a, you know, Hey, how you doing? What's happening? I'll catch you at the next happy hour or whatever. And there was this one young woman, every single time without fail, every single time without fail, she would say, Oh, here comes trouble. She never, never said, hello, Tony. She never said, What's going on? It was never, hey, how's the family? It was always without fail. Every single time, here comes trouble. So one day, I just asked her, why do you say that every time you see me? Now, I, I, I didn't feel 
like I was putting her on the spot. I didn't feel aggressive. I wasn't angry. I was just curious why, because I counted. <laughs> I was counting. I was waiting for the moment that she changed her narrative. And she never did. And I was just curious what about me said trouble to her. And I remember, um, God bless her, she, she turned beet red. She started apologizing. Um, you know, she, she made a really quick exit you know, from my presence. And I'm still standing there wondering, but you didn't answer the question. Mm, you you triggered know, so, something in there. Mm-hmm. So, so I've never been one to assume that whatever somebody's uh, reactions, engagement to me had any racial undertones, right? Now, I'm not crazy, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, I, there have been some very deliberate, you know, yeah. things said and done and, and, you know, people have addressed me in, you know, certain ways. And uh, I thought, OK, I, 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 you know, I got it. But again, it's always from and from my perspective, it's always in the um, guise of studying. OK, so now I know who you are. I know who you are. OK, I, I'm not sure about you yet. And now I can maneuver between the two. Right. I've had people uh, come after my job. Right. Uh, you know, and I don't know about anybody else, but you know, I got miles to feed. Right? I'm, I'm trying right. to get ahead. I'm trying yeah. to climb the corporate ladder. Right. And uh, it would be peers of mine, you know, that didn't like, you know, how it is. You know, they don't like you for whatever reasons. And, uh, you know, so I remember being pulled into uh, my supervisor's office and she said, well, you know, we're thinking about putting you on probation. Right. So I said, OK. And she ran down the list of reasons why, you know. And I noted, I noted that all of the information she was giving me was from one source. So I asked her, I said, can you tell me um, what kind of feedback you're getting from my clients? No response. Well, we haven't talked to your clients. Okay. Can you talk to me about what kind of feedback you've gotten from the executives that I've worked with over the past year? Well, no, no. Okay. If you can't give me those two, can you give me a, some things that I can work on to improve to the degree that, you know, this this probationary period is not necessary? Well, I, I'll have to think about that. So I said, okay, why don't we do this? Why don't we set up regular meetings? Now, here's what I'm managing up. She's supposed to be supervising right. me. Right. Let's set up regular meetings and you can talk to me about the feedback you're getting about me from my customers, the executives that I work with. and you can give me tips on how to be a better employee. Is that good? We good? Yes. And about this probation thing, uh, do you still think you have just cause to put me on probation? Now, now, all of that comes from being a student. You got to know policy. You got to know, you know, what the complaint process is. You have to know, you have to know a little bit about, you know, the people who have gone before you and what they've experienced. So, uh, you know, it, for me, it's always been about being a student and being able to utilize that information to, you know, create uh, pathways for myself. But Tony, let's go ahead and call this call this elephant out here because we know okay. good well that was microaggressions at play. That was definitely um, an individual using their power and influence mm-hmm. and whatever conscious or unconscious biases biases they've had towards maybe their interaction with you and others. And so how 
this is the impact, right? I just want to call this out. This is the impact when people do not work on bias and do not hold themselves accountable in how they engage, interact, value, appreciate, and recognize others who are different than them. And so that instance where, once again, the person who is in this instance being um, systematically at that point oppressed by the that corporate or that HR system is now at the point I have, I have to be overly educated in the practices, customs, policies, and this environment to navigate it for you in engaging and managing me. It is absolutely ridiculous and of course very similar um, to the society that we live in where yeah. those who are the most marginalized have to be always prepared to control the environment and create the environment so they can be successful. And so carrying the burden and carrying the burden of educating people all the all time. Day. All, all day. All the time. And then all day. And, and not recognizing it in the moment. Like all you had to do was acknowledge in that moment. Hey, you know what? That's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. While you're here, let me hear your perspective. Yeah. Right. What happened to the person that you're speaking to having a voice too? And that's oftentimes a part of the issues with how we policy and we create environments because it's usually very directionally top down versus um in bi-directional, right? Like where everybody can have a chance to be heard and seen. It's and yeah. also it's an assumption, right? Some assumptions was in that space specifically around you where you were not as valued, whether that was a status, like maybe because an employee versus a leader or whatever the dynamics were at play. But it's still like that is what we're dealing with here. And that's how that shows up. And that was a perfect example. Sorry that happened to you, even though I'm sure that's not the first of, of, of any instances where you've had to use all of the skills and knowledge that you had to be survive that I, moment. I, I'll tell you what's interesting. First of all, I don't disagree with anything you said, right? <laughs> But I'll tell you what's interesting. Uh, the peer that happened to um, collect all this information and, and took it to uh, this person who was my supervisor uh, was a, a black woman, right? So, so here I'm thinking, you know, if I were to uh, step back and, and think about what my desire would be, my desire would be that here's a black woman who may have seen things that I needed to work on, who would have come to me and pulled me aside and said, you know, if for no other reason, uh, let's take let's take race out of it, that she wanted to help a peer get ahead, right? Instead, there was something about me to this day, I don't know what it was, that she thought, no, nah, I got to get rid of this person. I don't, I don't know why. So, so again, that's why I'm, I really lean into the curiosity because a lot of, you know, the, the, the knife wounds or, you know, the stabs that I've incurred have come from people that look like me. Right. So, so now there is a part of my brain um, to your point that goes, you know, for people who don't understand my experiences or people don't understand what it is to be an African-American in the U S you know, I, you know, I kind of go, okay, well, you know, I, you know, there's a box, right? Okay, well, this is what, there are certain things that are within my realm of expectations for people who don't know. Um, but, but a lot of, you know, the, the trauma 
corporately that I've had to overcome have been from people that look like me. Now, um, I 100% agree that it is unfair for that burden to be on, you know, people of color to to continually educate uh, people who don't understand the experience, people who are not lived experiences. I have not yet gotten tired of teaching. <laughs> I, I have not yet gotten tired. I of, bet. Listen, I bet. I bet that's true. I bet that's true. I, but I, I would I say, love, Tony. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I think I was breaking up. So I'm sorry about that. That's uh, okay. But I was, but I was going to say, Tony, that's a good point, right? In perspective, right? So I, my assumption of clearly was very clear about the assumptions I had in the conversation, but I, but I, but it still goes back to how the impact of stereotypes, right? It doesn't matter if the person, what the other person looks like, you can still use that same behavior, whether you're the in group of that group or our group of that group to still use biases and stereotypes to decide who you're going to engage with and how and how you see them based on either how they see themselves or how the world sees them so I I think that's a good point to say it it, it doesn't necessarily need to be black and white or you know opposites it could definitely be those within the own group who because that diversity will is important right it's so many other things that makes you diverse where you are different even in your similarity so I think that was a great point but I would like to offer this is a question that Liz came um had when we were trying to think about one of the questions for Tawana right um mm-hmm. we were talking to Tawana last um a couple of episodes ago and she was mentioning how she built cohorts and one of the things that she said was important and I think you're the very line of conversation you're in right now goes of why she says this is Dr. Tawana Burris said that the key, the most important factor for building a coaching cohort is having a black male and at least someone in a different generation, i.e. maybe a college student or high school student, black males specifically. So what have you seen? Like, first and foremost, what are your thoughts on what she said? And then second would be, you know, what has been the barriers to attract, you know, black men in this space? Well, First of all, I'm never going to disagree with Dr. Tawana Burris. Let me, <laughs> let me just throw that out there. She is she is my mentor and my sensei and my coach and uh, somebody who's provided me uh, invaluable guidance um, since since the day I met her. Um, uh, he, here's what I would say. And this, my response to your question, because I thought about it a little bit, um, uh, is directly connected to the DEIA work, the diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility, the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Uh, The answer to your question uh, really delves into that. Let me me say this first. A lot of what keeps people of color, uh, women, um, people with disabilities, uh, out of certain positions, Right. And, and, and unable to take advantage of certain opportunities is access. It's access. Uh, being coaches yourselves, you know how much you have to invest in being a coach. It, it is an investment. And uh, not only from a time perspective, from, but from an economic perspective, that's number one. Two, uh, you have to have the support of those people in your inner circle to be able to pursue this because so many people 
because there often isn't a product or a, uh, a tangible thing that you can touch that comes out of coaching, people dismiss it as a profession. They dismiss it as a, a, a subject matter uh, uh, expertise. So um, I think those are two things that one limit uh, African-Americans, people of colors, but particularly uh, African-American men. Because uh, if I don't know even how to get into coaching, if I don't understand, or, you know, the coaching programs that we were all part of, uh, CDI was six months, right? That That's a commitment. You know, people have jobs, they have children, they have households, they have family. Um, and so uh, it really does take a, a level of commitment, a level of support and access. Do you have access? Now, I was fortunate because I was, you know, working for the government at the time and uh, I was able to get into a government coaching program that absorbed a lot of those costs. But but uh, it's it ain't cheap. You know, it's, it's not an inexpensive things. And, you know, for people that don't have sponsors or don't have um, the, the economic uh, platform to be able to take advantage of some of these opportunities, it, it's very limiting, very limiting. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. And we actually had a, one of our episodes where we talked about um, generational wealth and how, you know, it's the resources and the access is something is not available. I mean, I, I had to pay for that program completely on my own. I had to work a full time job, not not being able to take that time off. So I was basically working for 24 hours <laughs> for every session and then trying to get through that program. Um, I mean, I did it and, and people would say, well, you did it. Yeah. But at what cost? Right. I mean, who suffered? Right. My kids my extended family and coming from a Latin background, we have extended upon extended upon extended family and they're all critical and they all get hurt. <laughs> if you don't go right. to a birthday party for a four-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> and you get that and you get that pressure, right? So mm -hmm. what can we do, Tony, as, as, as coaches, as people, I mean, I consider myself very blessed in the position that I am in. Um, and, and, and many, and many factors, one, like I've, you know, I've, I've stepped into my power too. I have an economic advantage as well too. What can we do as coaches or, or consult and or consultants to, to help this access gap or this resource gap? Uh, so I would say you're doing it right now. Uh, and you're doing in that you're growing the community every, most of what I do my my goal at the end of the day is to grow the community and how i do that is relative to uh my ability financial or time or energy or otherwise to be able to influence certain people you know through my coaching through leadership through facilitation right influence the way they think um, and I don't, you know, a lot of, I've been asked, you know, Tony, do you feel like you manipulate people? I don't mean it that way. What I mean is to fix them with a different perspective than they may have had, not only about themselves, but the situations that they find themselves in. Once you can get a little flexibility there, then the possibilities start to open up and you're able to engage with your creative mind. Now you got me 
talking like a coach. <laughs> so, so when you start opening up your creative mind, there are so many things that uh, open up to you in terms of possibilities. And, um, you know, Liz, you mentioned that, um, you know, you and I developed our relationship, you know, in a classroom and, and then extended beyond the classroom. Uh, and I've said this to you many times, you know, my mind is conditioned to listen to people who are looking for something different, right? What, you know, I'm working, uh, I make a good living, I got a family, I seem to have it all, but I'm missing something. And often that feeling is the doorway to being more creative about how you approach problems, how you approach your life, how you approach your goal sets. And that's where those algorithms to, to solving the generational wealth uh, challenge is. It's being more creative. It's, you know, how can I use my skills, gifts, and talents to change the system so that more people have access that I've been able to have uh, but, but, you know, seems to be shut off for the people that are coming behind me. That's, right. Like I got to a way. certain point and now I'm building a community and giving, helping them and, and leveling them up. I mean, I think one of the things that came up for me from the CDI experience, the class that we were in, our coaching, coaching with other people that, um, that I've, I've had the privilege to be coached and coach as well, because we all learn from our clients as well as from other coaches is, is that, um, and we talk about this a lot, the end, um, and, and also following our intuition, knowing that there is something else, knowing that, and, and when we don't pay attention to it, when we, when there's a the little voice in our head telling us there is something else, there's mm -hmm. something else, you, you have a bigger impact. And we start adding these like, but this, mm -hmm. but that, what if this? I should have mm -hmm. done this. That time has passed. You know, all the shoulda, woulda, couldas, what ifs, all this stuff. And it's like, if, if you just kind of shut all that stuff out and you pay attention to that intuition and that gut and you really do pursue that impact and that passion that you want to, that's where like, then the possibilities are endless, right? Like, mm -hmm. you don't, that's why I always talk about like that glass ceiling that I had. I don't have that anymore. I don't ever feel right. that. And guess right. what? I still have, I still have my semi corporate job and I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. It's not right. an or. But it's still scary it's though. It's it still is. scary. It's still scary because oftentimes you're going with the current. Right. Like to think in this way means that you have to do something different. Right. And you are surrounded more more often. So unless you choose to be intentional around people who are just going with the current. Right. Like your workplace going with the current. So, <laughs> so it's interesting you say that. Uh, excuse me for interrupting. It's, it's so poignant. I couldn't let it pass. Um, the number one challenge to creativity and growth is comfort. Right. So you talked about how systems are created. Um, and I, I could tell you my disdain for all the systems. You know, we could spend a whole another podcast on that. But uh, to create this this mentality that if I don't do this, then I will fail and failure means this. Right. Like like failure means I won't be able to eat. Failure means I won't be able to feed my kids or my family or failure means I won't be able to put a roof over my head. Failure means I'll be, 
you know, and poverty. And that's that's not how the equation is supposed to work, right? So we get we we get into these positions, right? You you go to school and they kind of teach you like what you need to know, kinda, right? I have a disdain for school system too, but anyway. And then you get into the workforce and you get paid a salary and you go, okay, whew, uh, I don't have to worry about, you know, where money's coming from. I don't have to worry about taking taxes out of my income. I don't have to worry about, you know, uh, the direct deposit. It's all set. All I have to do is worry about, you know, how to do my job. I get that done and then I'm, I'm good, right? Well, creativity and growth do not exist in the, on the same line uh, item as comfort. It, it just doesn't. And so if you think about some of the most radical growth spurts you've ever had in your life, they weren't comfortable, right? They, they, it was different. Absolutely. You, know, you, you learn how to do you know, a thing, you get really good at do that, you become a subject matter expert, and then somebody says, well, can you do this too? And you, oh my gosh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> I don't, I don't, that's different from what I've been doing. It's, it's uncomfortable. I, I don't want to feel that, uh, that this, the, I want to feel the safety of comfort. I don't want to feel unsafe, uh, which, you know, is a massive hierarchy. We can get into that in another podcast too, but, <laughs> but safety is a big thing. When you connect safety to fear uh, and you connect fear to comfort, it, it stifles a lot of growth. It stifles uh, people's ability to take advantage of opportunities. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that that you we went there because one of the last questions that we have before we move into our reflection is, you know, you have shared with us and you haven't shared this with this audience, but you are a person of faith. And I speak a lot about faith. Right. And when you have not only, you know, strong faith and intuition and all these skills, oftentimes they can get in the way of being neutral as a coach. Right. Like you can hear things and you can be in spaces where things come up for you. I think for those of us who who have had to look at all the dimensions that make us who we are and choose to be a coach in this space, what are some of those things that you think would be important to share with those who are still trying to hone that skill to understand how they can make an impact here um, in their neutrality with their questions, with the, the confidence and skills of being a coach um, versus all those other things that could pull you into other spaces like therapy and faith work and all those other pieces because uh, we had a previous guest um, just kind of put in context, um, Tia Norman, who was talking about meditation, right? And how meditation and spirituality and those pieces can give you space for that pause and to create new spaces. And I know that this is something we've talked about before, but I think it'll be important for the listeners to hear as well. So the brain uh, creates this factory of thoughts, <laughs> right? Um, which impact our emotions, which impact our behavior, which it also impacts how we see things. It, it, it delineates truth from untruth, right? And when you look at it through that lens, that those voices, one, can create a narrative and often do creative narrative, right? All of us have a narrative. Uh, the thing then to determine is whether the narrative is serving you or not. Does the narrative serve me? Is it, 
Is it propelling me to be the best I can be? And is the noise in your mind so loud you can't consider any other perspective? So a lot of what I do in my coaching is what I call mindset coaching, right? What is your mindset? Um, and, you know, every coach should have their thing, right? <laughs> every coach should have their their little niche, you know? So so my little niche is, you know, the acronym is C-O-W, COW, C-O-W. Um, the C stands for- capability. I love this one, by the way. He's used that on me. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you capable of, right? What what are, what are your limitations? You know, what what are your perceived limitations? What are things you told yourself you couldn't do that you never even tried? So that's that's all about capabilities and, and learning yourself and, and understanding what that looks like. Then there's opportunities. Now, stands a reason if you have capability, then you will have opportunities. I love to make cakes. Somebody finds out a lot of like to make cakes. All of a sudden, somebody's calling me and say, hey, can you make a cake for me? Name gets around. You've seen it happen a hundred times. All of a sudden, you know, the, the brother on the corner has got a little cake factory. And you ask this person, well, are you getting paid for this? Well, no, I just like to do it because I like to do it, That which is which is fine. Um, my coaching would be you need to get a little bit of change for it. So, so there's capability and then there's opportunity. The W is where all the work is done, uh, where most of the work is done. Excuse me. The W is... What are you willing to do if you're capable and you've got the opportunities, then what are you willing to do? And the biggest challenge to willingness is fear. I would be willing to do a number of things if I wasn't fearful that I would fail at doing those things. And you go in, <laughs> right? Like, like I was coaching a young lady. Um, I love to tell the story. I was coaching a young lady. She comes to me and she says, <clears throat> Tony, I'm going to write a book, right? I, I've got the format. She tells me what the format is. I, I got, I'm like, oh, that's fantastic. You know, the chapters or, you know, I, I've got it all in my head. I said, oh, that's, that's wonderful. I, you know, I'd love to see it, a draft, you know, when you're about to go into publishing. She said, okay. So I don't talk to her for about two, three weeks, right? I see her again. First question I have for her is, how's the book coming? She says, well, I had to put a pause on the book. I said, well, you know, what happened? She said, well, I need to go back to school. I said, you need to go back to school? She said, yeah, I need to go back to school to learn how to write. And I just thought, you gave me an outline, told me the pages were writing themselves. What do you, so now you're going to pause from the writing to go back and get a skill that you perceive that you need in order to write the words that are already in your head, <laughs> right? So <laughs> this is how, this is why faith, this is why meditation, this is why coaching mindsets are really important is to help manage the noise that sometimes can, can be overwhelming and make you, you know, uh, uh, pause in certain situations, make you uh, move faster than you're ready to in other situations. Just give yourself space to just sit and process and think about where it is you want to go and, and, and when you want to get there and how you want to get there. You know, Tony, we usually end our episode with a moment of reflection and you kind of just went Not right today. into, <laughs> right. because all of that, 
one of my sessions with you was exactly all of that. You presented the, and I la- I was smiling for those who could see the video. You should see my face when he started talking about willingness because it brought a lot of emotions up from that session when we talked about willingness. And, you know, I still have my whiteboard up there and I put in like, what am I willing Very to good. do? And Very I look good. at it every day. And now I got, first of all, I have, I'm capable. I've been doing this my whole life. I have opportunities, you know, but what mm-hmm. am I, and usually that's it, right? Like, and I, I love talking about fears and I love talking about when we grieve things and the, the loss of things and everything, because that's really where it all is at. So I, mm-hmm. I don't have anything else to add for our moment <laughs> Me of reflection. Me either, because I'm just going to say, well, I just have one thing to say. Tony, thank you so much for this. Because honestly, and, and I, this is really my reflection and, and a comment, really, is because I just really appreciate it. First of all, I appreciate you always. You know how that go. And second of all, I just cannot believe, like, in this moment, it's the first time it was like my aha moment where I was like, oh, I do need to coin the things that I do as my own, right? Like you have this acronym and each piece have a piece. And I'm like, oh, I do have that, right? Like I have a style that is uniquely me. That is something that I can own for myself. And now I can name it in that way and now feel some responsibility for how I show up each time. And honestly, I've been, I'll be honest, it's never been that clear for me. And Liz said it to me all the time, but you know, Liz is Liz. You know, that's your friend, that's your person. They gonna always be like, girl, don't dim your light, girl, don't dim your light, right? But this moment was just My like- eyes are big, really? y'all. My eyes are big. I know, she's giving me all type of face, all type of face and love. And it's really love, I hope. But it's really that moment where it's like, I need to go ahead and take credit for the things I know that are ha- has helped my clients and helped um, those that I've worked with that has been able to move to the goals that they have put in place for them. And I've been able to support that. And so I just was like, wow, trademark, trademark. Well, and also too, like my, my whole thought process in this, because I was really afraid of, of shifting from, from my accounting side. And because I had, I, I held on to the identity quite often and I still do a little a little bit she's a spec now but um but shifting into whatever I wanted to do and not labeling me into something not putting myself into a box like I don't like boxes anymore don't put me there um but also um you know just owning that and my one of my biggest things there's eight billion people in this world I will serve someone someone will benefit from me even if it's just that one person I only need one only one. So that's, that's, I'm, thank you, Tony, for coming on our podcast, for for trusting us and for sharing your story with, with our listeners. We really appreciate it. Thank Thank you you for having me. Thank you for the invite. And uh, anytime, anytime you need me, I'm there. All right. Thanks, Tony. All right. We'll see y'all very soon, everyone, with uh, more guests. And uh, follow us on Instagram at More Than Words Podcast. Send us those questions at Liz and Shara. Uh, Liz and Shara at More Than Words Podcast.com. Um, and uh, who do you want to hear from? Uh, any questions that you have for us? You're curious about who we are, yes. what we do? Go ahead and yes. send us. If you have questions for Tony, Send, yes. send us over for questions no. for Tony. <laughs> and for yes. Tony too. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in.